Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. And welcome to Drive-by Cinema Series 3, Episode 17. With me on this journey is my co-host, Captain Sensible, it's Paul. <laughs> Hello Richard and good evening to all our wonderful listeners. And I'm Rick. How do you? He is Richard, yes. I can confirm. Are you in a philosophical mood? I'm in a bad mood, generally. But yes, oh, therefore oh no. philosophical. Therefore ruminatory, yes. Why? Why do you ask me? Welcome to the podcast with Paul in a bad mood. <laughs> I, I live a... in the broad north. I'm, I'm grumpy but happy, you know. And me with a terrible headache. Oh, dear. Well, what are you, how are you dealing with that? What's the, what's the ch- poison of choice, Richard? Oh, a darkened room, a lie down and some paracetamol. Paracetamol, yeah. Just, just a little bit heavy on the kidneys, isn't it? That's all. Mm. True. Very well, great. Great for your blood pressure. It's very close, isn't it? Paracetamol, the lethal dose, is very close to the effective dose, alarmingly so. Is it indeed? I didn't know. That's that. why. That's why it's. You know, they always check how many paracetamol things you're having. You know, when you know, I if you have a lemsip and take a paracetamol, you know, you're dangerously close to overdosing. <laughs> I'm sure I've told you about my, my friend in China who made a fortune by selling Chinese herbal medicine and putting paracetamol on them. Like, wow, this really works. Yeah, because of the paracetamol, not because <laughs> not because of the fake deer antler uh, and and the funky packaging. But there we go. Yeah, so so it's episode seventeen. But 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 but, but before we get on to tonight's main main course, what have we got for entree or hors d'oeuvre? <laughs> Is that how we are characterizing this? Last week, Paul, I asked. Yeah. Well, I asked about whether you're in a philosophical this mood. Sounds like a brief aperitif coming this my way. Good one. You said last week something that made me think. It got really got me thinking this week because your objection to last week's. Everything, everywhere, all at once, was all to do with how these individuals, as they are, in separate multiverses, could wind up being connected to the same sort of consciousness. Yes, in one, you know, in the prime universe. Did, did I did I set set a, set a thread of thought going in your mind? Well, I mean, it was. I mean, it's quite a scientific objection to a movie that I don't think tries to base itself. <laughs> But I didn't no, give it three. as much... Paul <laughs> takes Dude, Where's My Car too seriously. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but go on. I, I didn't give it too much thought at the time, but it is a big like, uh, sort of philosophical question, right? It's the same, I think. Well, it's let also me a ask you. plot hole, surely. I mean... Yes, I suppose so. If, you, yeah. if you're so inclined to view it that way. Yeah. So, Paul, let me, t- let me ask you this. Suppose tomorrow they invent a teleportation machine. You know, there's mm-hmm. a booth, you open the curtain... You step inside, you program your destination, and then you wake up, so they say, at your destination, you know, uh-huh. somewhere else. Would in you in the same time in the in the same time frame? What do you mean the same time frame? We're teleporting geographically, just in three dimensions. Uh, to I, the extent I, that's possible. Yeah, I'm not sure that is possible, is it? You always tell a, no. you always move in time somehow. But let's say you instantaneously appear, or let's say at the speed of light, your all the details of your body are transmitted to the reception station, 
where yeah. some clever machine, some 3D printer, rebuilds you. Yeah. So the question I'm asking you is, would you get in? Would you try this teleporter? Sidestepping my objection from last week, which is well, like, okay, I might, be able to completely, <laughs> I might be able to completely trans transmogify myself, but what about the molecules I later breathe in? They would be different molecules, wouldn't they? And therefore, the two entities would diverge at some point in a wood and take past less travel by, wouldn't they? Well, so, I mean, but yes, yes, I would. I would take the opportunity, yes. Right. Although I, I think we've discussed before how painful it must be to go through, uh, go through warp speed. Well, you could be put to sleep, so that's irrelevant. You know, you, they could need to touch you. I think it's more like, essentially, I mean, you're entering a huge hole in sp- time space, aren't you? Yeah, but you, if you were asleep, you wouldn't know about it, would you? You're going to go all squishy, aren't you? <laughs> no, well, let me tell you how this machine works now. So what it's going to do is it's, it's going to analyse the quantum states of every particle in your body using some machine at, at yeah. the... Yeah, uh, de- at the not, not the destination. What's the opposite of destination? Okay, at, the, at this end, and at if the other end, working that machine, Schrodinger's cat. And at the other end, it's going to rebuild you with the same quantum states. Yeah, so observing those quantum states will not affect them in any way whatsoever. Well, here's the thing, right? There's two ways this teleporter could work, right? That scanning process could be non-destructive, which would leave you with a copy. Yeah, or it could be destructive, which, in other words, means you step into a booth, and you are eliminated atom by atom. <laughs> no, can I choose the first option? Okay, so you, you're going to 3D print me in another universe or in another place, yeah. in another location. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Now, of course, it would be crazy to then allow your first self to carry on being, because then there'd be two of you with only one job, say. <laughs> And only one, like... Uh, Why are you looking national- at me when you say that? Go on. <laughs> with, only well, one well, national insurance number? With only one national insurance number, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. And so, really, you're going to have to... They're going to have to <sighs> euthanise... What if one decides to self-declare? Oh, my gosh, there's all kinds of problems there, yeah. yeah, yeah you're cool. going to have to euthanise Paul A. Yeah, and don't now- look at me with such glee when you say that. <laughs> but go on. So, the question is now, are you still willing to get in that teleporter? No, absolutely not. But when I asked you a moment ago and you said yes, you were fine with it. Yeah, in, in principle, you know. <laughs> in principle. But it has to work the same the way I've just described. No, it doesn't have to work that way. I mean, you, I mean, let's say we discover the laws of physics are not as we imagine. That it doesn't okay, right. So let's just say it's magic. <laughs> yeah, let's assume a god particle here. Okay. And, and then I'll go for it. So, so the question is, basically what, what Teleport Question is asking is, would you, Paul A, Paul Prime, be prepared <laughs> to sacrifice yourself <laughs> for the convenience of Paul Double Prime in in the new location, who will wake up with all the memories of Paul A, Paul A right, Paul Prime? He's just going to go, wow, that was a really easy journey. This teleportation is amazing. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I don't know, actually, about that. It depends. I mean, are you asking me to say who is the more moral of me? Or who is the better better person of me? <laughs> what, Paul A, Paul a or Paul B? <laughs> Am I going to visit myself? Because I'm going to get onto Scrooge and Christmas Carol with this. No, 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 you can't visit yourself. Paul, Paul Prime has been, de- has been euthanized, right, in some way. Because you can't let them both be hanging around. 
That's how teleportation works, right? That's the deal. Is it, it moves you, it's not copying you. That's not the, that's not the deal that made Dickens a best-selling novelist. Or, sorry, novellarist. <laughs> well, did Dickens invent teleportation in his... Uh... No, but he, he allowed his different selves to visit each other. One from the banister, things to come. <laughs> I see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and probably, the problem with Dickens here is that... Right, okay. Like, the idea is that Scrooge becomes a better person, but he... He doesn't. He just appeals to Scrooge's selfish na- nature and, 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 and self-benefit, doesn't he? He oh. makes Scrooge realise it's in his own self-interest to be a nicer person. Paul, you've gone straight on from the metaphysics of the soul to the ethics of uh, compassion and <laughs> <laughs> altruism, haven't you? You're quite right. Yeah, you can't be altruistic, can you? Because everyone does it for a selfish reason, which is their own self-gratification or the promise of eternal life in heaven because they're such a good person. Absolutely, there's no such thing as real altruism. How can there be? Yeah, so in that sense, I don't think Dickens is making a moral point, is he? So if I was to choose between these two people, I'd have to have like a alpha, alpha, alpha me that could actually get reports, some sort of, you know, download report of these two people's behaviour in their respective universes or plan future behaviour, assuming, you know, we could extrapolate to what they were going to do and maybe make a choice on that on that level. Hmm. I, it's interesting. Are you saying that in Dickens's writing of Scrooge, there is no soul? Because how could there be if there's like two of him at once kind of thing? I don't know. But it's a novella. It's it's not a novel. And they're not chapters, apparently. They are staves. Uh-huh. I got well, well done for bringing Christmas into our dis- first... It, will this be released in December? I don't know what day is. I don't know, but the fairy lights are upon us already, aren't they? Now, I don't really need to complain because I don't really care about about commercialisation in Tesco's at Christmas. I don't really care if uh, the Christmas uh, puds instead of cream eggs are out. Uh, but I really don't want to see huge amounts of fairy lights everywhere for two months. It's, not, <laughs> it's nothing to do with Christmas or, or, or the commercialised Christmas. I just don't want to see fairy lights everywhere. Says a man who lives in Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, Halloween is just Halloween is just one thing, you know, like just bedecked ex-council houses. The whole, you know, the whole the whole estate is just like bedecked. And then two weeks they come down. Then two weeks later, it's just a ridiculous number of animated Santas and reindeers. <laughs> you know, just it's. It's, it's unbearable. They won't be doing it this year, Paul. Electricity is too expensive, surely. Exactly, humbug. You know, but uh, the uh, I don't know because it's all LEDs, isn't it, these days? I mean, the whole rig must be just 10 watts or 20 watts or whatever. So mm. maybe it is doable. So you think they've invested heavily in LEDs to produce their... Yeah. Oh. Claim to fame, you know, I, I knew the Taiwanese guy whose factory produced 75% of the fairy lights back in the day. Oh, wow. That must be difficult, though, because you then have to find someone to partner up with to do the other 25% of them. (laughs) Finish them off kind of thing. But his factory, because, you know, he opened a factory in China, as as, uh, Taiwanese bosses did back then. Uh, And uh, they they kind of lived that Taiwanese boss lifestyle. Because, I mean, Taiwan had only just recently come out of 
of uh, military junta dictatorship, you know. So uh, a lot of the bosses had come over from the mainland in, you know, 1950s or 1940s and brought along their cook and their bodyguards, you know, because they were part of the re the old Republican army kind of thing. And they still kind of lived that lifestyle where, you know, he, he had a golf course in his factory uh, and, uh, and, you know, he had three cooks and that kind of thing. And I remember it because he gave me a Motorola mobile phone. Uh, he gave you a Motorola phone. He said, "Yeah, because it was all it was all pages back then, wasn't it? Or at least it was in China at the time." Uh, oh, was it a flip phone? No, it wasn't. It was just, this was ninety five or something like that. Because back then in China, if you got a phone, like you got you got a call on your pager, you had to go to the local sort of shop and queue up. To return the phone call kind of thing, you know. Uh, crazy. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, a mobile phone was like a thing to have, and he gave me one, you yeah. uh, But the one thing I remember is he had, he had a golf course, you know, in his, uh, in his factory. When you say in his factory, it was an outdoor golf course, not a mini golf not a mini. No, it's an outdoor golf course, you know, because land was cheap back then. So he just he just bought some, uh, he bought some mangrove and built a factory and a golf course on it, as you do. Well, I mean, and his house was in, you know, his, his his personal sort of quarters and house were inside the factory compound kind of thing. I imagine it's how like Lancashire mill owners used to live, you know, 100, 120, 140 years ago. Or like Donald Trump. Or Donald Trump, like, uh, you know, a life of extreme paternalism without the Cadbury family goodness, you know. <laughs> Right, anyway. Paul. Are we done with uh, philosophy? So, so yeah. So, so, so yeah. I would take that option if <laughs> which you option? Could, what you teleporting now? Yeah, if you could tell me that the if you could tell me what the other the other me was going to be doing, but being exterminated—that's what the other you is going to be doing. Being euthanized. No, but the other one. The other one that I'm choosing to be. Oh, right. Well, he's going to be going to Taiwan or whatever and having a chat with his old friend about his. Motorola phone and stuff. <laughs> so I, the thing is, of, let's put it this way. Microphone. Let's put it this way. It might be that you've realised that there is no such thing as a soul, and that if therefore, if you get in a teleporter and you press the button, you're going to be destroyed, and only the new you will will live with your memories, but you will die. But nonetheless. Compared to a long distance flight, it's still damn tempting, isn't it, to step into that <laughs> euthanization <laughs> So you're kind of bringing us in a, in a in a roundabout way to today's movie, Richard, aren't you? Sort of. Well, that means we've got to play some music. Paul. Here comes. Strike at the band. The name of this week's movie is Captain Nemo. <laughs> no, Captain Nova. Captain Nova. Captain Nova. It's Cap. Everybody, it's Captain Nova. I know it is. Captain Nova. You're right. Captain Nova. Ahoy, sea mates. But we're not on a ship, are we? But we kind of are. We're on a spaceship, a space shuttle, a tiny space pod. She's not a nautical captain. No. This is a Dutch film, Paul, that I chose at random 
from the Netflix adverts that were being advertised at me. She's not a nautical plucker. She's a nautical plucker's daughter. And when she's naughty plucking... Sorry, go on. You, you chose it randomly. Wow, well, I mean, kind of in our avenue of interest, I think, you know. Oh, it strikes a lot of it strikes a lot of notes, doesn't it, with our previous yes. drive by cinema films. But I think it you know I can't imagine anyone ever recommending it to us. <laughs> Partly because it's a Dutch film. It's Dutch, isn't it? It's really Dutch, yeah. <laughs> it it's very Dutch. Uh, had it been dubbed or did I also just speak English anyway? But Interesting point. I decided, I thought, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll learn some German whilst I'm watching this. So I put the German subtitles on. Okay. Uh, so uh, the subtitles, there are all kinds of subtitles. And it did say subtitles Dutch original. So therefore, I imagine you could choose to have the original Dutch. On oh, the audio. If, yeah. yeah. On the audio, if you wanted to. But I didn't. Uh, so Captain Nova, we learn, is... She's in the future. Where did they say when it was? Or did I miss that bit? To, well, she's about 30, 20, 20, I don't know, 20 or 30 years ahead in the future. Oh, that's right. She is, yeah. Not far. Not far. That's true. And something's gone terribly wrong with the world. Apparently, yes. CO2 and methane levels dangerously high. Yeah, we'll get to that, maybe. I'm not sure when we find out, but but it's basically because they've 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 ruined the uh, the the icebergs in the on, in the North Pole. I think you're right. Yes, we later find out that they they did this by drilling in the North Pole. This isn't total fiction, is it? There is there's a huge amount of methane under there. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it is on the tipping point of being released if the seas warm to a, a point. Well, sure, there's all kinds of tipping points and boundary boundary loci in chaos theory terms. People are not talking chaos theory terms anymore, do they? Uh, there's there's all kinds of tipping boundary points, but those boundary points are ill-defined. Why? Well, at the moment, methane is one part, one thousand part, about two parts per million. It's a two thousand parts per billion, so uh, two parts per million. Yeah. If all the methane under there suddenly erupted out into the atmosphere, it would. It's about a thousand times the amount of methane we've got in the air, which would come to about two parts per thousand. Would that lead to catastrophic global warming? Well, it might do, but here's the here's the disclarity here, is that when uh, I mean all that all this came from, from I don't know which era, but you know dead dead plankton and dead plants, it all compressed there and uh, et upon by by microorganisms, which I guess are archive bacteria or bacteria, uh, to produce this methane. But, uh, you know, if this is released, well, it is released. It's released as what's called rock flower. Okay, so when it's released naturally in small stages into the ocean, it actually promotes growth of other organisms, which absorb CO2, you see. So if, it's, if this is all released at once, there's an argument that it would produce even more rock flower. And so there might be an ameliorating effect where the greenhouse effect from the release into the atmosphere was ameliorated by a sudden sort of growth of organisms because of the extra rock flower, which is this kind of like 
methane mush that gets released into the water at the same time. So, but yeah, we'll, we'll take it as read that, you know, multiplying by a thousand the amount of methane in the atmosphere would be highly catastrophic. Uh, well, I mean, it's sometimes pointed out that methane is a more potent greenhouse gas. Much more, yeah. yeah. Than CO2. So it does sound potentially plausibly, you know. Yeah, that, take um, that salt bay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Now, this we're following this girl, aren't we? This lady. I say girl because she is later. But right yeah, now, all she's kinds a lady. of kink going on. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now she's got with her. She's thirty-seven years old in reality. She's got with her a portable, sort of self-propelled uh, Amazon Alexa, <laughs> who's a bit like Wally but smaller. Called ADD, I think. Yeah, ADD. But he can hover. Yeah. He's also a bit like... He's a like, drone. Have, you seen, He's a drone. Yeah. have you seen Final Space? Kevin in Final Space. He, he's like Kevin in Final Space, but a bit more annoying. What's Final Space? Is it called Final Space? It's the comedy that's a bit like Rick and Morty, where cartoon comedy where there's a guy called Gary stuck in space. <laughs> he's he's going to die. There's no way of getting out. And his only company is a really annoying floating android thing called Kevin. <laughs> I think I have seen it. Uh, you've I been watching it's called recently. Final Space. I'll, I'll have another look for it. Yeah. Now, ADD can't understand irony. It's not been programmed in. So he can't, can't recognise it. So he doesn't laugh at the jokes, does he? Like, like robots don't. Uh, and Captain Nova launches in her kind of spaceship with the droid and she looks back and the earth looks terrible, like it's on fire and stuff. And apparently she goes through a wormhole at this point. Yes. I mean, there were people back with her, like, telling her. Uh, but I think this was planned. They seem to have planned to do this, right? Oh, so, definitely planned, yeah, yeah. But they don't plan to crash, because she crash lands when she gets back to our time, doesn't she? But before that, though, as she's, like, going in space... She says that she's reached the speed of light <laughs> and then something goes wrong and ADD, whose job I think is navigator, just says change course, change course, like several times. It's not a very good navigation advice, is it? I mean, if your satellite nav- sister in your car <laughs> just said that several times, you'd be quite annoyed with it. The thing is about this, I thought the whole point about a wormhole... Yeah is that you don't have to try to travel at the speed of light or anything. The point is that because because you've warped space, the wormholes warp space, you can travel at subluminal speeds and still wind up, A, in a different time, or B, a completely different place. Correct, yeah. Yeah. So... When she says at the beginning that she's reached the speed of light, two things, obviously. First of all, we're going to have to point out that you can't do that. And secondly, even in the mythology well, of the film... Well, you could in a black hole. No. What? No. You, you can't reach the speed of light. Why, why do you say that? In a black why? hole, you surely could do. Why? Why? Well, it's literally a black hole. It's literally collapsed time and space to... Yeah, and what, what what a black hole means is that even light 
cannot reach escape velocity, right? That all the world lines, including that of light, stay within the singularity. So you can yeah. never escape it. It doesn't mean that you're going at the speed of light. Admittedly, it's capable, presumably, of accelerating you to within a sizable fraction of the speed of light, I imagine. But you're not going to reach it. Why? Why can't you reach the speed of light? That's a question we should maybe address. It would imply infinite, infinite mass, wouldn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because you, as you, as your um, proportion of the speed of light increases, closer you get to 100%, as it were, the higher and higher your mass gets to the point of, you know, impossibility, of contradiction. There's no physics. You can't make any physics sense of it. So you could get very close, but you could never reach it. Like absolute zero. Right? It's the same deal. It's impossible to reach absolute zero. So you can't, you know, you can't be so energyless and still be there, basically, I suppose, is the, the deal. You don't seem wildly convinced, Paul. Well, I mean, I mean, we don't really know what happens in a black hole, do we? Because you can't throw things and no. expect to come out. Yeah. So I mean, what I'm saying is, could we posit that you know time space is so completely collapsed that therefore you could break that law of physics that limits the speed of light? Does mass reach infinity, so to speak, inside a black hole? I mean, we've no way. I mean, you could posit this, couldn't you? you I suppose it's arguable it. that you'd have no way of. There's, you know, there's no well, meaningful measurement that could be made. There's no meaningful measurement because obviously things would stop existing, wouldn't they? You know, yeah, and all yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. You know, but is it really, really a massive hole in space? In which case, you know, I mean, are black holes connected wormholes potentially? Who knows? I mean, well, I mean, that's the geometry, isn't it? That's yeah. the the idea that. So at that point, compared to our curvature, you could hip, pop in and out of a black hole, one black hole to another. Assume you could survive it. And you could have, in our curvature, gone faster than the speed of light. Yeah, absolutely. So if you measured the distance from here to the end point and then divided it by the time it took for you to emerge, absolutely, that would be faster than the speed of light. But you've gone through a completely different space-time. Yeah. So for you, the distance travelled would be less. Would be less, yeah, because it's a so direct. you haven't gone faster than the speed of light. It's a, it's a direct a kind of join, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, you've taken a shortcut. That's the point. It's like an Escher, a whole, Escher rabbit hole or something. It's the whole point of a wormhole. That's the point of them. <clears throat> anyway, so anyway, she, she doesn't dissolve and she doesn't do the normal stretchy thing. Never <laughs> because I think the budget was limited in this movie. Uh, things just rattle quite a lot, you know. Which, <laughs> if, if that's all that happens, you know, if 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 you you know. Warping speed to ridiculous amounts, or maybe it's a wormhole which just carries on at normal speed. Anyway, who who knows? Uh, it's no like, different from than your car on a motorway, is it? No, well, it's slightly better than my car on a motorway. Okay, yeah, but oh, so so I actually accepted all that. I, I didn't find that too too annoying or too challenging or too like like corny or anything like that. Now she crashes back on Earth, as you say. <sighs> A crash landing. That's a bit shit, isn't it, really? But Fortunately, though, she necessary. crash lands near uh, a teenage boy on a quad bike. Yeah. Now, this isn't <laughs> the kind. This isn't the kind of teenage boy on a quad bike you get around Manchester. 
Uh, no, he's a nice boy. He's a nice boy, yeah. yeah. I, I wondered whether this is a Dutch thing. This is what happens in Holland. He's also a Middle Eastern Dutch boy who also seems to be a country hick, which is like just like, it's wonderful. It's like so, like, you know, crossing boundaries there, isn't it? Uh, apparently, they're in 2025. Because ADD, who survives the crash conscious... With a few uh, bumps, and, bumps and scrapes. He he dashes off to find the boy in the quad bike, asks him, it, what year is it? It's 2025. And then he leads the boy back to the unconscious Captain Nova. <laughs> Who's out of her spacesuit or in her spacesuit? No, she's still in a spacesuit. She's in a spacesuit, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But ADD tells the boy that it's not allowed for the authorities to find her. So and it seems like they planned this, doesn't it? He puts her on the back of the quad bike like like a newly like a newly lambed you, and uh, off they go. He takes her to a factory, a disused factory, I think yeah. maybe, and he takes off her helmet because oh, <laughs> and we see Captain Nova, but she's a, a young girl. She's, she's a young like, girl, twelve years old apparently. She's thirteen, sense. okay, but she looks more like thirteen or fourteen. So like there might be some age appropriate nonsense going on between the two but it never really transpires uh, uh, but she looks a little bit like Greta not Greta Garbo the other Greta Greta Thunberg yeah that's yeah. exactly th- th- this movie is really putting Greta Thunberg in the hero role <laughs> well no the messiah role and also you're like uh, chances of anything coming from Mars are million to one like you know David Bowie there's a star man waiting in the sky kind of liberator role so have you seen Greta Thunberg being interviewed by look, Russell Howard? Look, I, I've said things about Greta, and, and I don't, I don't side with the boomers on this one. You know, it's just, it's just one thing. You know, it's her uncompromising smugness. Now, I know she has a condition. Okay, uh, I know she has a condition, so uh, it might just be the condition. But it's just, it's just the smugness. You know, like. I know you're all for her, Richard, and everything she's doing, and you know, going on strike and holding hands and holding up placards and saying, "No, listen, no, listen, Paul." But it's important. It's just right? a smugness. It just really gets to me. But yeah, look, it, it's not possible to be an activist. Her message is great. Her message is great, and it's not possible to be an activist about this kind of thing without being earnest. It wouldn't work if you weren't <laughs> earnest, would it? You can't be nonchalant about. And she's got Cassandra complex, right? She's telling us that we're doomed in the future kind of thing, just like Captain Nova, basically. Uh, you know, people are not going to react well to that. You know, she has to. But I just, I'm asking you, have mm. you seen Greta being interviewed by Russell Howard? Question, who's Russell Howard? Okay, he's the he's a fresh-faced young comedian who has a show called Russell Howard's Good News or something. I, don't, I can't remember. Anyway, he's... He's occasionally funny, but he interviewed her recently, and it's <laughs> he interviewed her recently, like the other week, and it's on YouTube. And she's completely she was because she was just being interviewed, not talking about climate change specifically. She, she just comes across incredibly differently than you've seen her before, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you would find her quite charming. She's just I very. Don't, I don't. No, I do find her quite engaging. It's just she's quite European, isn't she? She's like. But in in the, in listen in this interview, she's incredibly giggly. She's laughing all the time, it, and it's really yeah. funny. 
Like, there is something natural about her, okay, and it does come through. But it's just like when when her PR people take that and say, okay, you do an impromptu kind of TikTok dance with some guy who's standing next to you on the stage, and it's kind of like, it's, it all becomes a bit cringe. I think if she's allowed to be herself in an interview, then great, okay. It's just when it gets combined with PR gurus and that kind of thing that it, it'll, I think, you know, her, her message isn't so much diluted, but it is very much managed, isn't it? And... Okay, boomer. Uh, now, the Dutch cops authorities. Just a little bit stadium rock. <laughs> Millennial. The, du- the Dutch authorities are right on the case, aren't they? And as soon as the... <laughs> and I'm going to use the correct term here. As soon as they've seen the chrono shuttle crash... Yeah, go on. They're basically on the scene, aren't they? And there's a cop there, and he's looking... At, um, so he looks in one direction, and he sees the crashed spaceship. And he looks in another direction, and he sees like uh, a quad bike like zipping off into the distance. Yeah. And I've, so I've got to ask you, Paul, if you were in his shoes, would you have gone back to the crashed ship, or would you have chased the quad bike? Uh, I don't he would know. I think I would have chased had his quad coffee. Bike. He'd had a waffle. Uh, what quad bike? Uh, you yeah, chased the quad bike. That's right, because the quad bike is going somewhere, and the crashed yeah. ship is not going somewhere. Is it? That's the. He decides to do the opposite thing. thing. He does the opposite thing, yeah. He goes back to the UFO, or UAP, as we know, as they should be called these days. And then his female detective boss shows up. They're not actually cops, are they? They work with the defense department or something. Listen, is it in, in Holland, do you think, or in the Netherlands, is it a defense department, or do they have a ministry like we do here? Well, I imagine it's a department, isn't it? So what, why do we have ministries? We don't and, anymore. They've been uh, changed to departments. I think the only ones that remain are the Ministry of Justice and maybe the Ministry of Defence. Okay. Nothing happened for 55 minutes and everything happened in the last 10 minutes of this movie. That's all I have to say about it. Look, okay, they hide in a barn or something like that or, a, a, you know, I don't know where. Where do they hide? Yeah, you're right. They go to this factory... Factory, there the, the, the shuttle, the Chrono shuttle, shuttle gets taken to a military base. For inspection. Yeah. And the like, inspection shows up. Weird thing, because he says there's fingerprints of a 12-year-old all over, as well as fingerprints of an adult as well. Yes. And they're all the same fingerprints, but at different ages. You know? um, so they've figured all <laughs> that out from the fingerprints. It's quite clever, isn't it? So, has she taken her helmet off? She has, hasn't she? We've already revealed that, that she's actually not 37 years old anymore. That's right, yeah. Uh, so, we know that she's... So, that's a big reveal. So, the the thing is that when she's gone back in time in a chrono shuttle, something weird has happened where it's youthed her and put her back to the age she was in 2025. Yeah. But... There is also a girl in that era called Nova something, isn't there? Who's identical. Well, they're the same person, aren't they? They are, yeah. It turns out, it transpires. I guess the police don't know that. Um, But Detective Claire, who, as I say, is really with the Department of Defence, she figures out that there's two identical Novas. Um, do twins have the same fingerprints? They don't, do they? It's an epigenetic thing, right? Your fingerprints. Oh, completely different, yeah. Yeah. 
You say that it's, like it's obvious. Well, the swirls are completely different. It's not. It's not. You know. It's not uh, flame test line spectro- spectro- spectrography, is it? I mean, <laughs> but you can't really do that with people, can you? But you get in trouble for <laughs> for burning people in a spectrograph. <laughs> Lots of time travel. Would you like to step inside this box? <laughs> yeah, I know it's funeral. 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 Uh, funeral parlor shaped. Uh, right. Okay. So, uh, what's the order of events here? She goes round. How does she find Nova? How does she find out who this other Nova is? Where did she get the name from? Is it on the spaceship or something? Oh, she traces the fingerprints, or what does she do? The detective. Yeah, I don't know. My uh, notes are all over the place here, aren't they? Uh... Before she does that, somebody comes to the barn uh, or the f- disused factory and uh, disturb these kids, don't they? Who've just got to know each other, uh, and they head off. In the investigating officer's car, is that they right? do? They do steal the police's car, don't they? That's right. Cheekily, yeah, cheekily. It's very clever, uh, but they break down and or have a flat or something, and then this chap sort of potters along, and he sees says, that hey, they're in trouble. Would you like some help? I'll toy with my Land Rover. That's right, and he takes them back to his little farmstead or whatever. Yeah, and. Uh, introduces, introduces them to his wife and stuff. And says, and, hey, hang out here, kids. Uh, in the meantime, the t- female detective has gone to interv- interview the present-day Nova. Is that right? We've got two things continuing at the same time here, I guess, roughly speaking. Yeah, she, that's right. The detective goes and finds this time period, 2025's real Nova. Who's <laughs> obsessed with space, you know, has got a telescope pointing to the moon and whatnot. But otherwise, of course, he's blissfully unaware about any of this. She's no idea. Doesn't know about it. Well, they're rocking up at uh, this these old geezers, this old geezer in his wife's house. Oh, yeah. And why? Thank God. That's it. Why Why do they take pity on these kids? Why do they take them in? I don't know, but I'm glad they did. Because you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, God, I wish the boy, I wish he could change his clothes. They're really ragged. And he gets a change of clothes, thankfully. So it was perfect timing. I couldn't stand him in his rags. It was awful. Right. Well, we, we know you've got an eye for fashion, Paul. I don't think I don't think we've ever reviewed a movie <laughs> where... <laughs> I haven't criticised somebody's appearance. I know it's not. I'm not look, it's, it's not meant to be nasty. Okay, but it comes out like that. All right. Okay. So, so they've been picked up by basically uh, the couple from The Good Life, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. Which is a reference that will mean nothing to so many people. This was a 70s, 80s, 70s, 70s sitcom about a normal kind of suburban couple who decide to like give up their jobs and, and kind of homestead in their normal suburban garden, you know, yeah. keep pigs and chickens and stuff. Um, now, they're in a real like farmhouse, aren't they, these people? But they do seem like, they don't really seem like, you know, horny handed sons of the soil kind of farmer types, do they? But still pretty good at mending a car engine. Or it seems so initially. But okay. I think that the, the, the subtle thing here that you may have missed, Paul, I, t- I think they've lost a child, hadn't they? Uh, That's why he's got all those old clothes that fit the boy. Oh, that is quite subtle. Yeah, that went right over me. Right. So I think they, I think they, um, when they see this boy and his girlfriend you know they take pity on them because you know that they've been bereaved of a of a child which is quite sad but it's yeah it's not 
It's not really well signposted because I think it would be too sad for the this otherwise quite um, saccharine movie. Really. <laughs> anyway, by chance, the local police are doing the rounds to check out for missing astronauts, and they come and knock on the old guy's door, farmstead door, and uh, the kids do a runner, don't they? Naturally, I, f- I would say though, right? Despite all of this, uh, although there's a good reason why they might take pity on them, no one, boy, all these people seem at all phased by the fact that Captain Nova has got a floating drone robot that talks. <laughs> and also a zap gun, like a literal gun. We're going to see that in action very soon. Is it? I mean, is that, is that a common thing in Holland? Do they all have, do all have pistols? I mean, they're into techno, aren't they? That sort of stuff. We'll get into some of the stylistics and style of this movie, perhaps towards the end. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like the policeman says, hey, have you seen a missing BMW that's been nicked? And this bloke says, no, I haven't. And then, unfortunately, it Comically. rolls out the gap. <laughs> It rolls out of the garage off its The barn. I would call it a barn. Oh, barn. Yeah. The kids have already scarpered into the cornfield. uh, And they're like, let's scarper. And they do. Uh, To be stopped by a random wandering soldier in the cornfield. No worry. Okay. Uh, Nova gets out her time zapper and freezes him in a comical manner where he's sort of like slowly moving as in glue. Yes. She's a good special effect. Freezes time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The government agents are wondering whether Nova's been been cloned. They talk about cloning technology, don't they? Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Eventually, Claire, the detective, finds this soldier slowed down, comically mid-grimace by now. He's, he's not completely frozen, is he? He's just moving very, very slowly, I think. <laughs> now, Nova has determined that she has to get back into the facility and... Uh, uh, I'm not sure what facility it is, but I guess this is the reason why she's come back. There's a meeting in a posh country house. She needs to break into this meeting, which she does so, and interrupts the 12-year-old girl, as you say, interrupting this meeting of like industry bigwigs. They're all talking. Like, does there's... she does she put some sort? Did she put uh, ADD under a card before this or after this? I like, think it's it... after this, after because okay, she you. fails to convince them with her oratory. That um, that you know they they shouldn't. But what they're doing in this meeting is about to decide on going to drill in the North Pole. Essentially, they're methane fracking. Yeah. Okay. There's one guy who owns this fracking company, as it were, this drilling company, and his son who is trying to take over. I was going to be taking over the company. It's his first um, big gig as son. Yeah. That's, that's right. It's his project. Junior. Yeah. Yeah. And she's trying to convince Son, hey, look, you can't do this. The world's going to explode. Blah, 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 blah. And he's kind of listening, but his dad just says, hey, this is your first big gig. You've got to get this crazy girl out of here. And by the way, how did you get in here? Uh, they climbed through the air vents or something like that. To answer the dad, because he never gets answered in the movie. Uh, and then they're escorted. And this is where, like, they lose ADD or they, they're arrested or something. I don't know what happens. Uh, no, I think, don't they, using ADD now planted on the car, which... Oh. And Simon is the name of the younger chap who's going to take over the drilling company. So they oh. go and break into his place. Is that right? Maybe. To do and, what? Uh, well, I think they're going to try and persuade him, aren't they? But Nova and ADD then get shot by a government agent 
It was tragically, and I thought, God, she's dead, but she's not. She's in hospital. Uh, Naz, Naz, who's Nazruddin, is the boy, isn't he? He runs away, and he winds up back with the couple who was helping him, back with the good life couple. And then he hands himself into the military industrial complex, doesn't he? He does, yeah. He confides in Good Life Tom, or whatever his name was. We see Nova in hospital, so despite the fact that she was shot, she's still alive. But she's being kept in the military military industrial complex in hospital there. So that's why Naz goes back. He hands himself in because he wants to get to Nova, yeah. And he knows he's going to be interviewed in the military industrial complex. But he's got a gun on him, hasn't he? And he freezes the guy's... As he's got the time freeze gun on him, and he freezes the guys during his like police cell interview. In in future that we started in, where Captain Nova was thirty seven and stuff, there was a guy there in a wheelchair with a very heavily scarred face. Yeah, and he was sending Nova back. It turns out that the guy in the Simon. wheelchair, he's Simon. He's Simon in the future. Oh in the past. my god, he's so repented he's- of his wicked ways. Past Simon in the past becomes future Simon in the future. Yeah. Right, can I just cut a really long story short? Like, uh, Naz breaks in, rescues her from a very quick recovery in hospital, drags her out the compound and escapes. Is that right? Uh, I, well, I think that's Pretty right, much. yeah. ADD, and then he says, look... I think ADD cops it, doesn't he, during this? Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and then, like, uh, we get back to the... To the, to the rocket ship and she says look I've got to go back I'm going back bye and they never got it together because I was thinking oh they're going to have like space kiddies and they don't yeah and it would have been she, age inappropriate yeah she can't because she's really 37 in her head oh, she, um, she says look I'm actually 37 we can't have space babies so not for 30 years or something not for 30 years oh my gosh what a time to live but clearly he knows that there's another Nova now that is age appropriate in his timeline. <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird, it's, isn't it? Come to think of it's, it. <laughs> it's kind of weird, right? Okay. So she flies back to you know uh, Planet Zog, which is actually Earth, and we get we get a nice shot of like you know a, a kind of windswept, kind of Dune-esque, kind of desertified place. Okay, uh, and uh, yeah. So then she's like to Simon, look. I've just come back from Earth, like where I was before, and like it's all like not gone to plan. I can't convince you you're a stubborn fucker. He's like, well, you've got to go back. And then she says, no, I'm not going back. And he says, oh, go on then. She says, okay, I will do. So, and that's it. And she decides to head back. And this is really where everything happens. The pivotal moments are within the last 15 minutes of the movie. So she heads back to say, look, it's been unsuccessful. You need to send me back. But don't send me back to where was it? Like, she wants to meet Naz again, basically. She doesn't want to erase him from her from her timeline. So she's very particular about how she's sent back the second time. Don't they? Don't, doesn't she go back lots of times? So there's loads of reports of UFOs. And in oh, some was way, that what is it about? Okay. I think, and in some way, all these UFO reports cause everyone to like change their priorities in some some way. They stop wanting to frack the North Pole. So she never really managed to convince Simon, but she manages to change public opinion because of the UFO sightings. Yeah, I think that's the idea. I'm not sure I'd buy that that would stop people fracking, but there we go. That's what happens in this film. I mean... Well, she goes back the second time and nothing really happens. What pivotal thing happens when she goes back the second time? I don't know. 
Uh, strangely as well, at the end, Claire lets Naz go, doesn't she? She, In mm. fact, she gives him back his quad bike. Um, and his gun. <laughs> and his gun. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. In the middle, this is supposed to be interesting. In the middle, uh, when she flies back to Planet Zog, uh, she sees Naz as a grown man who's now her husband. Her so husband, they do and they've got a kid, yeah. They, yeah. Do, they have space babies, but it's like being done like recently in the future kind of thing. So she doesn't want to erase that, and that's why well, she's particular about being sent back to certain times and certain places. But when she goes back the second time, she doesn't really do anything, does she? We have to imagine that she's revisiting Simon, trying to convince him each time. Yeah. But she does but save it. the world, Paul. That's the important thing. She does save the world, yeah. I mean, would it be unfair to say that this is a kid's movie? I, I was worried about who is the audience for. Right. Not not us, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, I think it is a kid's movie, isn't it? It's the only real way you it, can explain but it's, it. But it's perfectly, it's perfectly fine. The, I think the reason... Apart from the pacing, it, nothing happens for the first 60 minutes, and then it all happens at the end, kind of thing. I thought it was strange, it, though. It feels very much like a TV movie, doesn't it? Because not yeah. much happens. Um, but it is quite... I mean, it's better shot than a TV movie, isn't it? I mean... And morally, it's quite black and white, isn't it? It's up and down. Everything yeah, is painted quite, quite simply. The painting being called a boomer is quite European, isn't it? <laughs> Does Greta Thunberg endorse this message? Would she watch this film? I don't know. Uh, this movie? Yeah, this the movie. tone was a the, the tone messages, was weird. The messages of this movie are that please don't drill in the North Pole because there is a load of methane that could be released. One. True. Two, but don't worry, environmental problems are easily fixed. We'll just get everyone obsessed with UFOs. Like, <laughs> like there's an easy fix, you know, we can just sort it out. And three... It was a bit Hannah Montana, wasn't it, though? Yeah. If you, if you meet your much younger future husband or wife in the past, don't try and get off with them. It would be weird. Yeah, because uh, you're, you're an adult in your head. Kind of yeah. Thing. But that's a bit like Interview with a Vampire, isn't it? Where there's that little girl who's turned into a vampire when she was a girl. Uh, but she's obviously lived hundreds of years. It's in Quantum Leap as well. He goes back and no. he's, doing a dra- he's doing a drag race kind of thing. He's doing you know, the car race on like the... RuPaul. This. Oh, no, right. No, sorry. no, he's doing, he's doing a car race. <laughs> that would be a great the Quantum head Leap. Head-to-head <laughs> car race where they go along the Californian sewers kind of thing and go under the underpass and come back again with the girls. In the storm drains, I think they call it. And she way. wants... She, she, thank you. And she really wants to get off with him. And she, he, he's like, no, I can't do that. Okay. But he's kind of thinking about it. Or is he just trying to indulge her? I don't know. I think he gives a peck on the cheek. But, yeah, so it's... It, 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 I mean, I think Back to the Future hit on this a little bit, don't they, with his own bum kind of thing. Calvary so I, I saw parallels, weak parallels with E.T. here. Uh, well, very weak, yeah. Okay, perpendiculars. But, uh, yeah, for me, what, <laughs> what fascinated me was the the aesthetic, which, you know, I would say it was Y2K aesthetic. Do you remember the song Scrubs? Yeah. Do you remember Britney Spears? <laughs> Do you remember uh, Sony Ericsson adverts with the green little dot and the kind of waves and wishy-washy water behind with the futuristic freeze? Do you remember, like, uh, coloured IMAX? Or do you remember all that sort of stuff? I, I just got this uh, kind of, like, 
turn of the cent, turn of the millennial, sort of two thousand and three, kind of retro futurist. You're just capturing the Benelux stylistic kind of kind of mood here, aren't you? I, I think maybe, but yeah, I mean, you go to you go to a Dutch airport and it's still light that isn't it? It's kind of like. <laughs> Uh, and so there was all that, which I found a bit off-putting, really, to be honest with you. Uh, Apologies to our, our listeners in the Netherlands, by the way. But I, I was I was concerned who was the audience. I, I'm just going to go with you and say it's a kid's movie. I'm not sure it was, though. Oh. However, it did make me, because I'm not usually a fan of Hollywood endings and stuff like that, and Hollywood, the rhythms of a Hollywood movie. But this movie did make me want an American movie, simply because... It just did nothing, you know, at all. But made some very sensible points. I think you yeah. could play this to, to a class at school, Paul, and ask. You could stop it partway through and ask them questions, couldn't you? Uh, should it, it's we? It's worthy. Should it's we be worthy. fracking? Yes or no? What it's, do you think of Greta Thunberg? It's worthy without being smug, you know. And I think there, it it's it's quite good, isn't it? All right, I, I think we're talking about scores without actually giving them numbers and names, aren't we? So, Captain... It's not Captain Nemo. Captain Nova. Captain Nova. What do you think of the acting, Richard? I actually thought the acting was okay. It was good for... Yeah, especially with the kids. Yeah. I'm going to score six and a half. I'll give it a seven for acting. What do you think of the uh, the plot? Hmm. Well, there's some scientific accuracy. Maybe that's a different category. Uh, the plot that what it, what actually happened? She goes back. It was, to a, try and it was stop. a really it was a really bedraggled and not very exciting chase for sixty minutes, and then they did important things in the last fifteen minutes. Here's the problem with the plot: she goes back to try and stop an important event in the past to save the world. Yeah, what does that mean for her existence and whether or not she has a chrono shuttle and you know a robot? I mean, how does it affect that? Uh, what's the you know what is the butterfly effect? What is the chaos theory thing of changing that that major event in their own history? It's not explored. It's not explored. So it's all ghosts in the machine kind of, j- just as the author writes it kind of stuff, isn't it? So I can only give it a five for plot. Yeah, it's like they never have to face the intangibles of time travel, do they? No, it's not. Not uh, it's, it's all very all. clear. Although it's only just been discovered, but it's all quite clear. Although there are technical difficulties of rattling bolts as you're going through, going through a wormhole. Apart from that, I'm getting like, younger, becoming younger than you know, were. None of the dichotomous possibilities at all. Uh, yeah, that's just like oh, I got younger now. I'm not young again. You know, when she goes back, she's aged. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, that's weird, isn't it? Really. Uh, so. It didn't really, for me, the plot, I mean, I wasn't really bored by it, but I was just, I was just kind of perplexed by the way it was paced. Like this not very barnstorming chase through barns kind of evolved over a whole hour. And uh, we had this slightly James Bondy-ish kind of espionage break into a really nice uh, stately home where, you know, there's uh, powerful people talking kind of stuff. It, it, yeah, I'm going to give it a five for plot. Ah, scientific accuracy then, since I've already... What was your score on plot, sorry? I, I give it a five. Oh. So I didn't mind the science of this, you know. I think every time we get to time travel or alternate universes, we kind of drag up the same objections. Uh, and, yeah. I mean, just the portrayal of going through 
that wormhole was a bit budget limited, I think. And so we didn't really get a sense of the enormity of what was happening there. Uh, and the environmental science seems to be fairly spot on, doesn't it? Uh, it's good on the environmental science, yeah. Mm. Maybe bad on the physics of time, space time and time travel. So a six and a half for me. I'll give it a six for the science, yeah. Is that Does that leave us with an overall? Yeah, let's just go overall. I can't be able to think of another category. <laughs> so, for an overall Because there are score, no real special effects, apart from a fucking floating, annoying android. This is a perfectly serviceable, inoffensive six. Yeah, I'm going to go five. Fair enough. Completely average, then. Yeah, but a pass, nonetheless. If you want to show your kids about environmental science, maybe. But try... Put, make sure you point out to them that there isn't a simple solution. <laughs> it's and it's their problem. It's very important you tell them that we'll be dead long it's before. Your there is no simple solution, but there are simple solutions to promoting environmental change, and that involves throwing paint. Oh. <laughs> oh, here we go. Certainly, it's a GB News this week, uh, Paul. Since I chose this movie to torture you with this week. Perhaps yeah. uh, it should be your choice. Uh, oh, you give me a choice. Is that how this works? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm giving you three choices, Richard. I gave okay. you this... Yeah, I gave you several to choose from. You chose... No, uh, I chose... Under duress, I chose. Okay. Okay. Something happened, but uh, thankfully it's all recorded. We could go back and listen. But this week, you're giving me three choices. I am. The core... The court again. Okay, it's come up again. Yeah, because I want to watch it. Office Space, right? Which you want to watch? And then I just thought, let's throw something in completely random. The Black Island Sound. Sound. Okay. Well, we got to if if you're going to keep bringing the core up, we got to do the freaking core, haven't we? We don't have to. No, no we do have no. to do it. Uh, uh, once you watch it, you'll see why, and we can have a laugh about it and get it over with. So let's do the core. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix, The Core. Yes. This is 2003. Uh, enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Drive-By Cinema. Ciao for now. See you on the next one. Bye. Thank you.